what is the dumbest thing you've ever done? We've all got some dumb stories in here. I know some of your dumb stories. There are some dumb third. What is the, let me ask this, what is the biggest mistake you've ever made? Now it gets a little bit more serious. Like maybe, maybe what is the thing that you did and you feel like that haunts you for the rest of your life? Every time you think about it, there's this guilt and the shame that comes over you. Maybe you did something you shouldn't have done. Maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Maybe you hurt someone that you loved and you made a promise to. I mean, you have a story like that. Now, to help you feel a little bit more comfortable, I thought I would start out this morning and I'd share some of my stories like that. Always makes people feel comfortable when somebody else shares their story first. So, when I was in third grade, uh, my dad had died a year before. And my family, my, we had five kids, and my mom was struggling trying to provide for us five kids, and financially it was just a struggle. And so there was one day I was up the road at my friend's house, and we're just hanging out in his backyard. He had this little patio, and, and we're doing what boys do. We made a little bowling alley in his backyard on the patio. You know, we've got some pins. and we, I don't know why they gave us a bowling ball, but they gave nine-year-old boys a bowling ball. And so his mom comes out, and it's like, hey, boys, you guys need to be really careful because there's the basement window. We don't want you to hit the basement window. Does any mom know what's going to happen next? Well, I'm a nine-year-old boy with a lot of energy. Like, I'm a 39-year-old boy with a lot of energy now, but I had a lot of energy then. And I'm like, watch this trick shot. And I grabbed that bowling ball, and I spun and spun and threw it, and it curved and curved and crashed through the window into the basement and plopped right on their dryer and made this big old dent. And my friend, he looks at me and says, uh-oh. And I'll be honest, I did what any nine-year-old boy would do. I might have said a four-letter word. I started to cry, and I turned, and I ran out of his backyard as fast as I can. I ran down my street. I ran through my front door, past my living room where my mom was on the couch. And I ran into my, my bedroom. I jumped under my bed, and I hid. I'm like, my friend's mom is going to be so mad at me. And then my mom, this is going to break her. She can't afford to fix a window. Like, I, to a nine-year-old boy, I was dead. I was dead. This is the worst thing that could happen. Sure enough, a couple minutes later, the doorbell rings. And then my mom and my mom, my friend's mom, they come and open up the door and they're like, drag my sorry backside out of the, underneath that bed. Fortunately, my, neighbor, my, my friend's mom said, hey, it's okay, that window's been broken three times. And uh, they, were for, they were gracious to us and so I had to work it off. I didn't have to pay for it. I just had to go and do some work for them. But, man, it was, it was one of those moments. I've got another one, though. How many of you have ever said something that you know you shouldn't have said? I had this moment. See, there was like, like 10 years ago, I was in the season of life where I'm like, I want to be passionate about Jesus. And I want to tell other people about Jesus. And I'm like, I'm going to be really intentional to, to, to make my faith known. And so I'm at work one day. My wife calls me and says, hey, would you stop at Little Caesars Pizza on your way home and grab pizza for dinner? And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Here's my opportunity. I'm going to represent Jesus at Little Caesars. So I go into the Little Caesars, the little lobby, and, and there's, there's a gal working the cashier. And she was a little swollen in this area right here. And I'm like, this is my opportunity. 
Like, if I can start a conversation with her and then pray for her, man, I'll be representing Jesus. So I get up there and I say, hi, hi, how are you? When are you due? Yeah, I, I did, I did that. And she says, excuse me? And because I'm an idiot, I'm like, she didn't hear me. So I'm like, when's your due date? And she says, I'm not pregnant. And I'm sitting here sweating and I'm like, um, well, uh, well aren't, aren't you, you're not Susan? I thought you were Susan. I'm sorry, I've got the wrong person. I tell you what, I got out of the restaurant as fast as I could. If you want a pizza, there's probably still one there with my name on it. You are welcome to go and pick that up because I've never been back in that store since that day. Goodness gracious. What's your biggest mistake? What's your failure? What is that thing that you did that you thought God is forever going to be disappointed in me? That thing that gives you shame every time you think about it. That thing that makes you feel disqualified from serving God or having a relationship with him. What is that thing that makes you feel like, I can't go back? This past month here at Restoration Church, we've been talking about people that have met the resurrected Jesus. And since dead people don't walk out of the grave except for Jesus, man, we saw that there's this power of the resurrection that transforms the lives that find the resurrection. And today we're looking at a guy by the name of Peter. Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, so he had followed Jesus for three years. He spent a lot of time learning from Jesus. And the day before Jesus is crucified, Peter had his worst moment ever. Yep, he made that biggest mistake, that biggest failure. And then what happens is he meets the resurrected Jesus. He meets the resurrected Savior, and he finds not judgment, not shame, not guilt. He finds grace and redemption and restoration through the resurrected Jesus. And that is the greatest story. And I'll tell you what, what I want us to hear today is if, if God can do that for Peter, if God could forgive Peter and restore Peter and redeem Peter, then certainly God can do that for us today. Our story picked up in John 21 that Kathy read for us this morning, but before we get to John 21, here's the backstory, right? Here's a backstory. And so this is the, John 21 comes at the end of Peter's worst moment ever. Peter had done the one thing that he promised he would never do, the one thing he swore he'd never do. You guys know this story. Maybe you don't. It started on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus had his disciples together, and they're having dinner. It's called the Last Supper. They're eating together, and Jesus makes this very bold proclamation. He tells his disciples, his closest friends, his best friends, he says, tonight... You guys need to be careful because every one of you will fall away. Every one of you will fall and stumble. This was a pretty heavy statement. These are guys that followed Jesus for three years. They're like, we got your back, bro. And Jesus said, we're all going to fall away. Now, Peter, I love, Peter is that guy, and you've got one in your family or your friend group. He's the guy that has no filter on his mouth. He says, with, he speaks without thinking, right? He's that guy. And so, Jesus says this, and Peter says, listen, listen, Jesus, even if all these other disciples forsake you, not me. Like, like, I got your back, Jesus. I'm better than all these guys. And Jesus says, hold up, Peter. Hold up. 
Jesus says, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, like wheat. Satan wants to take you out. And Jesus says, listen, Peter, I have prayed for you that, would you, that you would not fail. But Peter, when you do, when you turn back, you will strengthen your other brothers. Jesus just said, Peter, you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. But again, Peter, he's got this bravado. Like, none of us think of ourselves like that. And Peter's like, come on, Jesus. Like, I'm your ride and die. Jesus, I would die for you before I would deny you. And Jesus says this. Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. If you're familiar with the story, Jesus is betrayed by Judas. He gets arrested. And Jesus is brought before the authorities to go to trial. And Peter happens to kind of follow along the trial. He's trying to stay on the outside to try and follow and keep tabs of what's happening to, to Jesus. And while he's doing that, a servant girl sees him and says, Hey, hey, you, you're, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And Peter says, No, no, I'm not one of his disciples. And then a, bit, a little bit later, Peter's trying to warm himself by the fire. And he's warming himself. And one of the people around the fire says, Hey, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And Peter says, no, no, I, I, I'm not. And then a third time, a servant girl says, hey, you, I, I saw you in the garden with Jesus earlier. You are one of his disciples. And scripture actually says that Peter began to curse and swear and says, I do not know this man. He's cursing to prove he's not a disciple because a disciple certainly would not curse their Savior like this. And immediately, Scripture says that the rooster crows. And at that moment, Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered that bold promise. Peter remembered, I promised and said, I will never fail you. I will, I, I will die for you. And Peter is overcome with regret and remorse because he just did the one thing he swore he would never do. And scripture actually says he went outside and he wept bitterly. Can you feel the emotion from Peter? Like put yourself in his shoes. This is the worst moment of your life. He just forsook his best friend. And while he's talking these terrible things about Jesus, the rooster crows and he knows exactly what he has done. And I can imagine going and laying his head on the pillow that night. Can you imagine the hopelessness? The despair? The weight of how bad he just screwed up? You gotta imagine he's thinking there's no coming back from this. In fact, that's where John 21 picks up. Peter is still reeling on his incredible failure. And so verse 3, Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. Now when he says, I'm going fishing, he's not talking about getting a fly rod and going to the river and, and, and just having some fun. He's talking about commercial fishing. Peter was a commercial fisherman before he came to follow Jesus. And so Peter is saying, listen, I've screwed up so bad. I know Jesus rose from the grave, but I screwed up so bad. There's no way I can show my face to Jesus again. There's no way Jesus would allow me to be one of his disciples again. There's no way the other disciples would want me around them because I'm such a failure. 
I screwed up too bad. And so Peter says, you know what? I'm going to go back to my old way of life. I'll just give up on the whole disciple thing, give up on the whole preaching thing, and I'll just go back to being a fisherman. The other disciples are like, well, we don't want you to be alone. We'll go with you. We'll go with you. And so it says in verse 4, that while they're out fishing, Jesus showed up on the shore, but the disciples could not recognize him. Verse 5, Jesus asked that question, how's the fishing going? You guys catching anything? They're like, nope, there's no fish biting. We got nothing. And Jesus says, well, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And then verse 6 says they were unable to bring their nets in because of how many fish they had just caught. If you're one of those people that likes to write in your Bible, you might write in the margin Luke chapter 5 because there's something very similar that happened on the day that Jesus called Peter to be a disciple. The disciples are out fishing again or they're not catching anything. And Jesus said, hey, go out a little bit further and then drop your nets. And they do that and they catch so many fish they have a hard time reeling it in. And then Jesus says to Peter, Peter, he didn't say that. Peter, Jesus said to Peter, come follow me and I will make you fisher of men. And you see now there might be something surprising happening here because now Jesus essentially is giving the same story. You're not catching fish? Try your nets over here and watch what happens as you catch so many fish. The disciples have a huge catch. And verse 7, verse 7 says at that point, a disciple whom Jesus loved, this is how the disciple John referred to himself, kind of like I'd refer to myself as a disciple who's really handsome and funny. John says the disciple whom Jesus loved recognized it was Jesus, and he told Peter, hey, this is the Lord. And this, guys, this is my favorite part of this whole story. It says in verse 7 that Peter, he threw on his outer garment, and he jumped into the sea to swim to the shore. What did he just do? Scripture just says, Peter is fishing in his tidy whities Like, I, that's not how I fish, but you go, Peter. If that works for you, maybe you guys ought to try that this week and fish in your tidy whities And so Peter's in his tidy whities He hears Jesus there, and he's like, oh, crap, I can't meet Jesus like this. So he throws on his clothes. He jumps into the sea, and he's going to swim to shore because he's so excited to see Jesus. Verse 8 says, the other disciples, though, they're still in the boat. And they are only 100 yards off, so they actually beat Peter to the shore. And verse 9 says, as soon as they got out, they saw that there was a charcoal fire, and Jesus had fish laid on it. And Jesus said to the disciples, hey, come bring me some of your fish. And Peter goes, and he hauls in 153 fish is what they had caught in that net. And watch this, verse 12. Here's the scene, the disciples are in this moment, and Jesus says, Come have breakfast with me. Here's our story. Like, like, do you grab this? Like, Peter is reeling from this failure, right? He, he's just given this ultimate betrayal to his Savior, to, to Jesus. And a few days after this, after Jesus has risen from the grave, Jesus says to him, come have breakfast with me. Make you wonder why. What's so special about this breakfast? See, I would draw our attention to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, because the book of Lamentations says, God's mercy never ends. They are new every morning. You see, I think Jesus sets the table and says, come have breakfast with me. 
And he's not going to chastise Peter. He's not going to rip him apart. He's not going to say how disappointed he is. He's not going to say, you're such an idiot because you betrayed me. I think Jesus sets the breakfast table and wants to give him grace, wants to redeem him, wants to restore him. And this is the beauty of the resurrection. See, Jesus died on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, that was the, the, the darkest moment ever. Because when Jesus died, it appeared that Satan had won. It appeared that all hope was lost. But when God raised Jesus from the grave, Satan and sin and death and the hell, they no longer have the last word. They no longer have the last word. That through the power of the resurrection, that God can take the worst moment the worst possible thing when all hope was lost and God can turn it on its head and redeem it and restore it and bring beauty from the ashes. That's what God did in the resurrection and that is what Jesus is about to do for Peter. Because verse 15 says when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Look at the disciples, again, the context. Remember, Peter had made that bold promise. He said, even if all these other fools forsake you, Jesus, I'm your right and die. I will never deny you. And now Jesus is kind of turning that back on his head. Hey, Peter, remember when you said you would never deny me and you're better than all these other guys? Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus is giving Peter a chance to set the record straight. And it says that Jesus says, Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus replied and said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then a third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's grieved. Why are you asking me this a third time? Yes, I, you know all things, Jesus. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Remember, it was three times that Peter had denied the Lord. Three times he denied him and said, I do not know him. It's not a coincidence here. It's not a coincidence that Jesus asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? See, the moment for Peter at this moment for Peter, Jesus is trying to, he's trying to convey something. He's trying to say, listen, Peter, your worst moment does not define you. Peter, your worst failure does not have to define you. Because of the resurrection, there is grace. There is redemption. There is restoration. Because of the resurrection, there's a second chance and a third chance. And for some of us, a 345th chance because of the resurrection. And you know what's great about this? Here's Peter reeling on this horrible failure. I screwed up royally. There's no way God could accept me and love me and use me. And then Jesus says, nope, nope. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to call you back to what I, you were supposed to be a preacher. And guess what? Guess what, Peter? I'm going to restore you back to doing that. You know what history says? History says that Peter was restored. Peter was faithful. 
and ended up even dying for his faith and ultimately fulfilled that promise that said, Jesus, I will die for you. (laughs) See, if there's any of us in this room that have a reason to feel like our life is over, to feel like we've made the worst mistake ever, it's probably Peter. It's probably Peter. And And I put myself in Peter's shoes, and I'm like, man, there's no way he gets out of this. There's no way he gets over this. There's no way he can serve God again. He just swore up and down and reviled the name of Jesus. There's no way God's going to use him. His life is is gone. It vanished. It doesn't matter anymore. But there through the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection proves that there is redemption. And Jesus in the story goes to incredible great lengths to extend grace to Peter. To give him this process where he understands, listen, you denied me three times, and I'm telling you three times to feed my sheep because this is greater than that. He goes to great lengths to to redeem him, to restore him. Despite this incredible failure, he restores him to what he was called to do. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Preach my word, teach my word, feed my sheep. In fact, I think this story, this is what it would tell us this morning. That what Jesus did for Peter, he can certainly do for you. That through the resurrection of Jesus, we are not defined by our failures, but we have all we need to experience redemption and restoration. We hear the story This story could be any of us in this room. We've all done something we shouldn't have done. We've all said the wrong thing. We've all gone somewhere we shouldn't have gone. We've all hurt someone we shouldn't have hurt. And sometimes when we come to the realization and the reality of what we have done, man, there's that weight on us. There's that burden on us. There's that shame because I just did something that I know was wrong. And that weight and that burden, it it carries us and it goes with us. And we were like, man, why would God even love me? I'm such a failure. Why would God love me? And even if God did love me, there's certainly no way that God could use me. There's certainly no way that God would do anything with my life. And we get in that moment and we're like, you know what? We're better off just quitting. I don't need to pursue God anymore because he's going to reject me. I'll just go back to my old way of life. I'll just bury my head in the sand. Listen, I want you to hear this morning that just like Peter, through the power of the resurrection, your worst moment, your worst moment has been paid for by Jesus. Your worst moment is buried in the sea. And as far as the east is from the west, you are no longer defined by your worst moment. But you have the opportunity today to experience redemption and restoration. We're just like Peter. You can say, good night, failure. And you're invited to the breakfast table to experience mercy and grace anew and afresh. The question this morning is, how do we do that? How do we experience a restoration? Two simple ways. Number one, you got to get back in the game. And I think this is going to speak to someone in this room because you've been knocked down you've been knocked down you've experienced a failure you've felt rejection you felt shame 
And God's word to you simply this morning is to get back up and get back in the game. Make the effort. Take the first step. Begin to lean in. Begin to, to believe again. And take steps to do what God wants you to do. Because I'll tell you what, Satan, Satan wants nothing more than to drown you in shame and guilt, to make you feel terrible, to relive that worst moment. He wants you to feel like a screw-up. He wants you to feel there's no way that God could forgive you. There's no way that God could use you. He wants you to be paralyzed, to think you are too far gone. You are useless to the kingdom of God. But just as God brought redemption through raising Jesus from the grave, that same redemption is available for you and I today. And the first step is you've got to get back up. We've got to get back in the game. It's not going to be easy. It's not instantaneous. It may not look the same that it did before. But redemption is available to you if you just get back up and get back in the game. I'll tell you, my wife and I, we've got five kids. That's what happens when you don't have cable. And uh, one of the things with our kids, we, I've got to teach all my kids how to ride a bike. Now, I remember, I remember teaching our, our, our middle son, Hudson. Uh, he's our third oldest. Teaching him how to ride a bike. And I remember we're outside, and we're on the sidewalk. And I put him on the bike, and I point him downhill, and I'm like, just, just pedal and go. And he starts pedaling. He gets to the neighbor's yard and falls over. Falls over, starts crying. I walk over to him. He's like, Dad, Dad, I, 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 just, I just can't do it. And as a dad, I'm not surprised he fell. I knew he was going to fall. As he's laying on the ground, what does a dad say to him? Does dad say, huh, huh, stay down on the ground. You're not coordinated enough. You're not able to ride a bike yet. You're not good. No, that's not what a dad does. I picked that boy up, and I'm like, get back up on that bike, bro. Bro, you got this. I, I believe in you. You can do this, man. I, I got you. And guess what? He got back on the bike, and he started pedaling again, and guess what? He fell again. And he got back up, and he fell again, and again, and again. But guess what? Pretty soon, he kept getting back up. He got the hang of it. And he's riding this bike. And I tell you, this kid nowadays, he rides this bike all over the valley doing all sorts of crazy things on that stinking bike. I can't keep up with him anymore. Do you understand that's the father heart of God? He knows we're going to fall. He knows we're going to fail. And he has a compassion when we're in that moment. But you know what his heart is? His heart is, come on, bro, I love you. Come on, man, get back on the bike. Let's do this. Get back in the game. You got this. God's not limited by our mess. We think, well, I've fallen, I've screwed up. God's not limited by that. If God can raise Jesus out of the grave, if he can forgive and restore Peter, if he can bring beauty from the ashes, if he can bring, turn graves into gardens, then certainly God can take the mess of your life and turn it into a message. Certainly God can pick you up when you fall in and say, get back on the bike. You got this, man. God knew Peter was going to fail. He even called it. He predicted it. But you remember, just as much as Jesus predicted that Peter was going to fall, he also predicted that Peter was going to be restored. He told Peter, and when you come back, you will 
encourage your brothers. See, God predicted his failure, but he also predicted his restoration. God's not surprised by how you've fallen. He knows it. And I believe this. I believe God already has a plan for how he wants to use you, for how he wants to work in your life once you have been strengthened. If we're going to experience a restoration, we cannot let Satan keep us down. We've got to get back up and get back in the game. Number two, if we're going to experience a restoration, we've got to receive the gift of grace and the redemption of Jesus. See, I love this story because Jesus invites Peter, come sit down and have breakfast with me. He doesn't tell Peter, hey, you've got to go jump through a bunch of hoops. You've got to go and, and improve yourself. You've got to go and, and beat yourself up. I'm, I'm not con- con- Jesus doesn't contem- con- condemn him for betraying him. Simply, Jesus offers him his grace, his redemption, and his restoration. Peter didn't, doesn't deserve it. Peter didn't earn it. All s- Peter simply had to do was to receive it. In fact, this is what Christianity is all about. Every one of us listening today, we are sinners. And maybe you feel you're worse because of what you've done, but listen, all of us, every one of us, are guilty before God. But because God loved us, he sent his son Jesus to the cross to die in our place, to rise from the grave, to secure us forgiveness and freedom, and redemption, and restoration, and guess what? None of us deserve it. None of us can earn it. God simply says, John chapter 1 verse 12, all who did receive him, who believe in his name, that he gives the right to become the children of God. He says in Romans chapter 1, if you confess with your mouth and believe in the heart that Jesus has risen from the grave, you shall be saved. That is the offer for us this morning. The table has been set. Jesus has prepared the breakfast burritos for us. He's asking us, come and have a seat. I don't care how bad you screwed up. You are not defined by your failures. Today, Jesus offers you his grace, his redemption, and his restoration. Bow your head with me and close your eyes.